0: Father, thank you for uh, the Bible, uh, that it is your Word, uh, authored by human beings over many thousands of years, but also authored by yourself. And it tells the one incredible salvation story of how you are going to restore us, your people, uh, to your special place under the rule of your King. So we pray that as we dive into this part of this Bible trajectory today, to Samuel 7, and we think about the Davidic Covenant. Uh, that you indeed uh, strengthen and encourage our hearts uh, in your outworking of your purposes, your salvation purposes. Uh, May it encourage us to look to that end point when one day uh, every tear uh, will be wiped from every eye. Amen. So, uh, briefly, a few words of of context before we come to 2 Samuel 7. Recapping on some of what we've seen in previous weeks in our overview series so far, but also... Uh, summarizing what's happened since uh, our last sermon. Uh, After the fall, uh, the creation we've seen languishes under God's curse. And yet moved by his love and his grace, God then makes promises to in effect reverse the curse. Uh, To and through Abraham... God has promised to once again restore his people to his special place under his good rule. Hundreds of years later, through Moses, God gives the descendants of Abraham his law and the covenant, the Mosaic covenant. This covenant is conditions. If God's people keep his law, they shall receive the blessings promised Abraham. However, if they breach his law then they forfeit the blessings and incur the curses. Uh, Depressingly, we've seen the people are persistently faithless and disobedient. And rather than receiving the covenant blessings, it seems increasingly likely that they will incur the covenant curses. And yet the period of the judges hints at a solution. A good leader helps the people to be faithful to God and to the covenant. A leader helps bring them victory over their enemies. And moreover, we've seen that God has indicated at various points that kingship for his people is part of his plan. And therefore, developing this leadership concept further into kinship might help even more in fulfilling his promise to bless them. Therefore, when Israel becomes a monarchy in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God's plan to reverse the fall enters a new phase. However, Israel's request for a king leaves a lot to be desired. They want a king instead of God, rather than a king under God. And consequently, the first king, Saul, is not a success. And it becomes clear that having a king is not enough. It must be the right king a king after God's own heart. And as a result, uh, God removes the kingdom from Saul and he gives it to David. However, it takes many years for the man of God's choice to become king in practice. Uh, Picking up where we left off um, in 1 Samuel, uh, chapters 1 Samuel 16 to 2 Samuel 5 is the account of the remainder of Saul's reign through to David's eventual coronation. And in those intervening years, uh, David soon discovers that being the Lord's anointed does not guarantee a smooth passage through life. Uh, Saul is jealous of David, and Saul tries to kill David. And as we saw last week in Psalm 34, uh, David is forced to live as a fugitive, Uh, Resolution comes, of course, with Saul's death in battle against the Philistines, and David then becomes king in his place. So, moving closer to home as we approach 2 Samuel 7. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5 uh, David captures the Jebusite fortress city of Jerusalem, and he makes it his capital city. And there he builds for himself a plush royal palace. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, he brings the Ark of the Covenant into the city. Of course, the Ark represents God's presence and God's rule. Uh, Figuratively, it was viewed as the footstool of the divine throne. Uh, To David, it seems like the logical step then is to build a temple for the Ark. And it sets the stage for a dramatic further revelation of God's plans in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, is an Everest on the covenant skyline of the Old Testament. In this chapter, God establishes what proves to be the third and the last Old Testament covenant. It's what's called the Davidic covenant. And it serves to locate the kingship in a covenant framework. Uh, Looking backwards, it links the kingship to the previous covenants with Abraham and with Moses... And looking forward, it shows how vital the kingship will be in realizing all the blessings promised under the Abrahamic and the Mosaic covenants. The kingship will become the means by which God will reverse the curse. So we're gonna hear now 2 Samuel 7. Uh, Please note as it's read that there is a play on the word house. The word house is used in two senses. Firstly, as a literal physical house, a temple, but also the house as in a dynasty. Okay, so now we're going to read uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, Tracy.
1: Rest from all his enemies around him he said to Nathan the prophet here I am living in a palace of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent Nathan replied to the king whatever you have in mind go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying go and tell my servant David this is what the Lord says are you the one to build me a house to dwell in I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great are you, O sovereign Lord! There is no one like you and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself? and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised so that your name will be great forever. Then men will say, The Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to offer you this prayer. O sovereign Lord, you are God. Your words are trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever.
0: Thank you, Tracy. So, uh, with David having established himself in Jerusalem, uh, a glaring inconsistency stirs him to action. Whilst he, the king, luxuriates in a majestic palace, God, the king of kings, has nothing more than a tent. It was a state of affairs that David resolves to solve without further delay. Uh, initially, the prophet Nathan commends David's temple project, but uh, it seems perfectly reasonable. But later that night, uh, revelation overrules reason. God instructs David to put the project on hold. The time is not yet right. However, what God then promises David far outstrips anything he could have thought or imagined. God starts by making promises to David which sound strangely familiar. God promises that uh, through David... God will provide a special place for his people with whom He is established a special relationship. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 verse 10. Uh, and I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Uh, was it not to Abraham that God had said in Genesis 7 verse 8, uh, the whole land of Canaan... Where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be your God. God also then promises David military success that will bring about a life for the people blessed by peace and prosperity. They will enjoy rest in the land, 2 Samuel 7 verse 11. God says, I will also give you rest from all your enemies. Was it not to Abraham that God had promised in Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make him to a great nation and I will bless you. Uh, God goes on to promise David that his reign will be so significant that he will be revered throughout the whole earth. 2 Samuel 7, verse 9. He says this, Now I will make your name great. Like the names of the greatest men of the earth. Was it not to Abraham hundreds of years earlier that God had said in Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make your name great? Do you see what God is doing? To this descendant of Abraham, God is reaffirming the promises made to Abraham and his descendants. Uh, David's kingship is now located within the trajectory of the covenant promises. The kingship will be the means by which these covenant promises actually will be realized. And God does indeed make David's name great. During and through David's reign, uh, much of what was promised Abraham will come to fruition. Uh, David proves to be the greatest of the Israelite kings. And in two particular respects. Uh, Firstly, he is a godly leader. He is God's choice of king, a man after God's own heart. He is faithful to the covenant and he leads the people to in turn be faithful to the covenant. Of course, he's not perfect. Uh, His lust will lead him to commit adultery with Bathsheba and then to order the murder of her husband. But for most of his life, David seeks to be faithful to God. And when David brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, the city now becomes the focal point of the covenant relationship with God. It shows that David rules not independently of God, but under God. Jerusalem is not just the city of David but now the city of God. And as a result, God blesses David's reign and the people through him. It's interesting that through David's reign, uh, much of what is promised in the covenant with Abraham uh, comes to fruition. And David is instrumental in this whole process. Uh, David is instrumental, if you like, in bringing about God's people living in God's special place under God's rule. Uh, David unites the people, and he completely defeats uh, Israel's enemies. Uh, David is the military king. He's the empire builder who completes the conquest of the land where previous generations failed. As a result of David's military campaign, the territory of Israel extends to encompass everything that had been promised To Abraham, hundreds of years earlier. Under David's rule, the people do enjoy rest from their enemies. And as was expected of a king, he helps the people to win their battles. So, under David's rule and with God's help, Israel would enter an era of unprecedented peace and prosperity. At last they would have peace in their time. Could this be the final fulfillment of all that God had promised Abraham? Could David be the serpent crusher promised to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3? Could David be the great ruler from the tribe of Judah foretold in Genesis chapter 49? Great though King David would be, God now makes further promises to David that points beyond David's lifetime. Great, though, David's achievements would be there is a greater fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises at a future time. Uh, With a sense of acute irony, whereas David had flagged his intention to build a house for God, in other words, a temple, God now says that actually it is he who will build a house for David. In other words, a dynasty. 2 Samuel 7 verse 11. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. What's more, the house that God will establish for David will never fail. God's, David's royal line will never die out. His reign and rule will be eternal. 2 Samuel 7, verse 12 to 13. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God is committing himself to David's royal line. God is committing himself to ensure that the royal line will endure forever. Uh, while some of David's descendants would be unfaithful kings, God would discipline them but never take away the kingship from the family line as he did with Saul. at uh, verse 14. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong... I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. So you get the point. There will be a royal line that will be eternal. Uh, it's worth pulling into the lay uh, for a few moments to just reflect on the nature of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Old Testament prophecy often has more than one person or more than one event in view. Uh, there can be different horizons of fulfillment, uh, some more immediate and some more distant. And such is the case here. Uh, the more immediate fulfillment of this prophecy comes with David's successor and son, Solomon, uh, as recorded in 1 Kings uh, chapters 5 to 9. Uh, Solomon is the one from David's own body who builds a house for God's name. Uh, Here is a picture of it, uh, a glorious building it was. It took them 13 years to construct, uh, and of course it was that incredible temple of Solomon. However... Uh, the eternal nature of the Davidic royal line clearly points beyond Solomon. Uh, the last of the Old Testament Davidic kings was Zedekiah. Uh, his reign ended in 587 BC. That was when the Babylonians uh, invaded the land, uh, destroyed Jerusalem, and deported the people. So what happened to the eternal royal line of David a thousand years after God's promise to David the angel Gabriel appears to a Jewish peasant girl in Nazareth and the lineage of her husband to be is significant she was as recorded in Luke chapter 1 verse 27 pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David and the angel announced details of a special royal birth. Luke 1 verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end Jesus is the Davidic king whose reign will last forever and if the kingdom lasts forever so also the house lasts forever the dwelling place for the Lord and Christ of course is the one who builds an eternal house for God, it is the church, the spiritual house in which God dwells 1 Peter 2 verse 4 As you come to him, that is, Jesus Christ, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house in which God dwells. So in conclusion, what is the main purpose of the Davidic covenant? It's not just to link the achievements of David's reign with the Abrahamic covenant it has a far greater significance. It points to a future fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises through a future royal descendant of David. In other words, the Davidic covenant shows us how the Abrahamic covenant will finally be fulfilled. God will fulfill his promises to reverse the curse by means of this special Davidic king. One implication to pick up on as we close. Uh, Many Christians today have unrealistic expectations of what Jesus has promised to do for them in this present life. Uh, Some Christians expect uh, miraculous healings or remarkable experiences. And such expectations are misplaced and unbiblical. Uh, The best way to avoid falling into these errors is to understand what Jesus really did come to do. And that's the aim of this overview sermon series. It's to see the big picture of God's purposes more clearly. Jesus' true mission is tremendous. He has come to reverse the curse, to deal with the cause and the effects of the fall. And the more clearly we hold to that... Uh, the less we will be distracted by the relatively trivial. David was a good king. Uh, Through David, to a significant degree, the promises made to Abraham were fulfilled. Uh, God's people did enjoy his blessings in his land for a while. However, it was to be for a while. It would not last. And as we will see next week, the kingdom will decline. It was just a shadow of the true fulfillment of God's people living under his blessing, ultimately in the renewed creation when the Lord Jesus returns. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, the promised Davidic king, who ultimately will restore everything to perfection, who ultimately will in all fullness restore everything and come, about, bring about the promises made uh, thousands of years ago to Abraham. So we thank you for Jesus, and we pray that we would continue to trust him in the present, and not be distracted from what his main mission is. Uh, no matter what happens to us in life, we pray that we would remember that he is bringing us to that renewed creation, where every tear will be wiped from every eye. Amen.